0: somebody who's got a growth mindset is, I mean, you have that, obviously you work with a lot of people who are that way. We see every opportunity, every opportunity, whether it's a mistake, whether it's a trauma, whether it's something that wasn't fair, whether it's forces outside of our control, we see it as an opportunity to learn and to grow. And like, that is a decision that can happen. You don't need 20 years of therapy. I mean, I'm not saying people shouldn't go get therapy. Like That can help them on their journey. But you can wake up today and you can just decide, today, I'm going to be the pilot of the plane of my life. And the things that are in my control, I'm going to control. And the things that are out of my control, I'm going to accept or you know see if I can influence changing them. But I'm not going to be spending all my energy on them. And look at every single experience as an opportunity. Like, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? And that includes
1: our traumas. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the home service millionaire, Tommy Mello. Before we get started, I wanted to share two important things with you. First, I want you to implement what you learned today. To do that, you'll have to take a lot of notes, but I also want you to fully concentrate on the interview. So I asked the team to take notes for you. Just text NOTES to 888-526-1299. That's 888-526-1299, and you'll receive a link to download the notes from today's episode. Also, if you haven't got your copy of my newest book, Elevate, please go check it out. I'll share with you how I attracted and developed a winning team that helped me build a $200 million company in 22 states. Just go to elevateandwin.com forward slash podcast to get your copy. Now let's go back into the interview. All right, guys. Welcome to the Home Service Expert Podcast. My name is Tommy Mello. And today is going to be so much fun. I got Martha McSally here with me. And she is a certified badass. She's an expert in team building obviously politics, management, and business decision-making. She's got a pretty huge resume here. She's a uh, member of the board of directors at CASE, C-A-E-S. The Siegfried Group advisory board member is currently part of that. CRC Service Technologies, a member uh, board of the directors. She was a U.S. senator of the U.S. Senate for obviously over a year. (laughs) U.S. Congresswoman for four years, George C. Marshall Center, she did that for a couple of years, professional of national security studies, U.S. Africa Command Chief of Current Operations, she did that for three years, and the 354 Fighter Squadron Commander. Martha McSally is a real-life Top Gun lady, pioneering combat-proven leader, inspiring speaker, and celebrated author. McSally is a compelling example of overcoming adversity and fear to achieve extraordinary feats. Over the years, she persevered to become the first woman in the U.S. history to fly a fighter jet in combat and command a fighter squadron in combat. Along her journey, McSally had to overcome significant obstacles, including U.S. law prohibiting women from flying combat jets. McSally knows how to build an excellent team founded on camaraderie, trust, and the ability to perform under pressure when the stakes are extremely high. She now takes these lessons from the cockpit, and the skies of Afghanistan to equip teams to reach maximum potential as high-performing individuals and significantly contributing teams within organizations. Martha, it's amazing to have you on the show today. And speaking at the Freedom event, I just, I can't wait. I can't even wait for this interview.
0: Time, I'm super excited. Thanks for having me on. And I'm excited to be your wingman. And for everybody out there who's listening, and those are going to come to this awesome life business transforming event. Super excited to again some of that stuff. I joke that like politics is the least interesting thing I've done in my life. I was just yelling at the television and found myself going, well, get your butt in there and do something about it. But uh, a lot of combat lessons, a lot of life lessons. Uh, Want to help people not have to learn them the hard way, kind of like I did.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm working with Joe Weldon, and he talks a lot about you. And he talks mm-hmm. about that one time when you were talking to whoever your commander in chief or, or whatever his position was said. Well, you can tell that story better than I can, but we'll <laughs> dive into that. But basically, what do you do during a hellstorm? You just wait. You just you deal with the shit and you get over it. But. Let's just go through tell our listeners who you are, what your experience has been, what you're doing today, and yeah. uh, just all your accomplishments and, and what made you who you are right now.
0: <laughs> In 30 seconds or less.
1: <laughs> I do that and take as much time as you need five minutes.
0: No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, like, like I said, it's uh, it's really an honor to to be a wingman on the journey of everybody who's listening. I'm pretty, like you know, authentic and brutally honest. So I'm just gonna show up uh, that way. Just want to make sure you know everybody's aware of that. And uh, you know, I've I've had a life where I was really blessed to grow up in a stable middle class family, unlike so many people. But my dad, you know, came from tough circumstances, and you know, his dad died before he was born, and his mom died when he was a teenager. And this is like growing up in the '30s, right? So long story short, my dad started working at the age of eight. You know, never stopped. And through hard work, through people believing in him and investing in him and him serving in the military and using his GI Bill, he was just driven to make a better life for us kids. And I was the youngest of five kids, grew up in Rhode Island, a little town of Rhode Island. And everything was stable in my life until when I was 12 years old and my dad was uh, 49, he took his last breath, like unexpected. We went from one day just hanging out together as a family to him going upstairs, lying down, not feeling well, to being taken to the hospital. And the next day, he had had basically had a heart attack. And the next day, he had another one and he passed away. You know, that was the first inflection point in my life, right? And we can all look back to times of things that happened, good and bad to us, and like how it had us at a fork in the road and taking a different path at that moment in time. And so I went from, you know, being a stable kid. You know, not questioning, you know, existential questions, but like whatever. To like, WTF? Like, so I don't know if we're allowed to swear on your podcast here, but like, I didn't say that as a kid, but it was like, and I'm twelve, you know. And then my dad's gone, and my mom like went back to school and back to work, and so you know, I had a lot of anger, a lot of grief, just was really struggling, but I was also trying to make my dead father proud, and. Um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, either because they never heard that from their parent or because, you know, just things they said to them, like you're never going to measure up. Uh, In my case, my dad, before he died, said, you know, make me proud. And so now I'm driven as this, you know, adolescent trying to deal with all this stuff, but also trying to do something with my life. So, like, I had to learn a lot of life lessons very early on. And, you know, my time in high school was not easy. On the one hand, I was excelling to make my dead father proud. On the other hand, I was acting out in the grief and experienced some other trauma there where, you know, I, I share this openly, you know, I was an athlete and I kind of poured my grief into running, which is one of the more socially accepted addictions, you know, to try to deal with your pain. And I could have chose other ones, but I chose like, you know, athletics and you know, then I you know, I trusted a, a coach who then violated that trust. So now I'm like, you know, it just was like a tumultuous time of trauma, of confusion, of, you know, trying to figure out my way. So a long story, you know, off I went to the Air Force Academy, I had no idea what I was doing, Tommy. Like I was motion sick as a kid. It's not like I want to be a pilot since I was little. I just was trying to get a good education. I was trying to get away from this predator. I was trying to not saddle my mom with that or myself with that. And I also knew like for myself internally, like I was driven, but I was volatile and I could have gone either way. And so I just felt like the discipline and the challenge would have been good to kind of channel me in a positive direction so I could do something meaningful with you know, the attributes that I have. And you know, I got to the academy and I found out that it was against the law for women to be fighter pilots, and I had no desire prior to that to be a pilot. But when they told me that I couldn't do it just because I was a girl, it pissed me off, and I was like, "Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a fighter pilot someday." And people were like, uh, "Martha, it's against the law." I'm like, "I don't care. We live in America. Laws change, and I'm just going to keep, you know, working hard, keep the dream in my heart, and just like just keep grinding." I mean, I think back like a lot of my lessons in life. You know, prior to this was very much grinding, which is not the lessons I would want to offer to your listeners right now. I mean, there is a stage of grinding that we have to do, I think, maybe sometimes, but there are maybe easier ways uh, for us to figure out how to succeed and thrive, you know, and excel. Uh, and those are all the things that you teach, you know, in your home service freedom, right, and at your freedom event. So, anyway, I did a lot of grinding, you know, just like working my butt off, just trying to make it happen, and then eventually. They you know, sent me to grad school on a free scholarship after that to Harvard, which was a pretty cool experience. But I was just trying to buy my time to get to pilot training and keep the dream to be a fighter pilot someday. And I was in the right place at the right time with the right grit and the right qualifications when finally the door opened. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, and they looked and saw there were seven of us women who had earned a fighter and they gave us the opportunity to break through that barrier and, you know. The rest is history. I mean, I could share a bunch of combat stories, which I will be doing at the event, about flying the warthog in combat. I've got some props here I'll show you in a, in a little while, too, from my flying.
1: So you got out of that, and you decided to go into politics, and I don't think you ever really want to go back into politics from no. what Joe told me. Take us through that, and then take us through all these board seats and what yeah. you are
0: So, yeah, 26 years later, 26 years in the military, you know, six deployments to the Middle East and Afghanistan. I flew 325 combat hours and was just, again, fortunate. I was in the right place at the right time to be the pioneer when the opportunities opened up and, you know, be one of of them. So I was the first woman... Uh, in U.S. history. I didn't know it at the time. I was just trying to fly my jet, you know, to fly in combat and then later first to command a fighter squadron in combat. So 26 years later, I retired as a colonel. I was teaching at the Marshall Center, you know, teaching national security studies and paragliding in the German Alps. You know, finally, let me just say this. I mean, I was fighting for everybody else's freedoms for 26 years. I didn't have a lot of personal freedom, right? You're in the military. So you're just, you know, it's a lot of 24-7 Uh, responsibilities, especially as you continue to move up. And so I was enjoying for a very short season, a little bit more freedom and balance in my life where I could be making an impact, but also have, you know, the ability to get some rest to, you know, have other freedoms for things that I, you know, would enjoy and, uh, you know, relationship and connection and all the things that really matter in life. And I just found myself, Tommy, I was like yelling at the TV, you know, like, what are those idiots doing in Washington, D.C.? Why can't they just get their act together? And it's just a part of who I am, much to the frustration of those around me often. If I'm complaining about something, I have to do something about it. It's also a part of our military culture, I think. And so I just like quit my job, got on a plane, flew home to Arizona and said, I'm running for Congress. You know, what do I do? Do I file paperwork somewhere? It's like, it's a crazy story, right? I would not advise it if anyone's interested in serving. Do not take that path. But it was a call to duty. It was just like, I gotta freaking do my part to get in the arena, you know, to bring values like the values I have in that crazy place that seems to be void of, uh, you know, values of in the military integrity first, service before self, excellence in all we do. You don't see a lot of that coming out of DC. And so I just, you know, was called to serve in this new combat zone. It took me three years to get there. Uh, But eventually, I uh, was elected to the House of Representatives and served two terms uh, in the House and then was appointed to uh, Senator John McCain's seat after he passed away and served two years in the Senate. So now I'm a Martha 3.0. All right. So just for anybody who's listening, right, like we go through different stages in our lives and Martha 3.0. Now I am on the board of directors of three companies. Uh, My own company is about taking all the lessons that I have learned through life, again, the hard way, lessons in combat, lessons in leadership, lessons in overcoming adversity and not letting your trauma hold you back and to be able to thrive. Uh, in life, in business, in relationship, taking all that to audiences, you know, through keynote speaking. And now I'm also going to be launching some online courses. I'm really excited about eventually some uh, adventure retreats. So it's all about just helping people, being a wingman, you know, for people to be able to thrive in their life and their business. And it's just that it's a really exciting time for me. While I'm also, for me, it's a time of freedom for myself too, right? I mean, after 35 years of grinding service, it's about freedom. It's about abundance. It's about abundance to me and through me. Uh, it's about impact, and it's about minimum grinding. That's kind of the values of uh, you know where I am at this point.
1: You know, a lot of people they come to shop tours here, and um, you know, I've been really, really focusing on getting mentally fit, and, and that has a lot to do with working out, eating right, getting the sleep, getting the water, the right yeah. supplements. And what I realized is it took me 20 years to get into the bad shape I was. And so many Mm. people want silver bullet. Yeah. And I I talk a lot about physical because it applies to business. Yeah. Is I have had to be very disciplined. Last night my mom, my uncle, my aunt are in town. Me and Bree went out to dinner with them. And, you know, the cake came and the ice cream came and they were all drinking. I passed on all of it. I didn't even eat rice. Mm. And it was very little discipline. It didn't take much for me to do that. And there are times that are harder, but I think about this with business is everybody goes, well, what did you do? How did you do it? And it's not, I just stayed Mm -hmm. and it was a grind. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were days where I ran every single call I took. I walked out of the movie theater to go run a job and they see this success, but they don't know about the days that I couldn't sleep. They don't know about the relationships that were destroyed. They don't know about working nights, weekends, holidays. They don't know about what you give up and business is not easy. And leadership is not easy. If my desk is a mess, everyone's desk is a mess. Yeah. If I show up late to meetings, they all show up late. And I think there's a lot to be said about consistency and discipline. Yeah. And everybody's looking for this magic bullet. How'd you do it? And I can't put it in. There's certain things: branding correctly, keeping an eye on KPIs, having great technology, and becoming the best leader that thinks about other people first. Mm -hmm. But but you've been experiencing this for a long time, and now that you're on a board seat, what do you think? That yeah. you would tell people that are literally, they hate Mondays and their life just seems, it seems like there's just, they're in a shit storm all the time and they're, yeah. they're, they're firefighters is what they are.
0: Well, Tommy, I agree that it's like what the work you do inside is. And, and, and in, 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 small disciplines in your life really can make the difference into how that goes when you wake up on Monday morning, actually, I think it starts on Sunday and maybe even Saturday, right? What are you doing? in order to find some space for yourself in order to kind of sit with yourself and like figure out like what serves me to be able to kind of get myself some rest get myself some self-care so I can actually think straight right so I can actually come up with some ideas about how to move things forward and how to help people but if you're constantly in this fight or flight constantly in this like grind and then you're just you're dreading the grind, uh, you've got to be able to have some space for you to take a deep breath, to go for a walk, to, you know, again, take care of yourself. And then it's just a approach of like, what are you doing these micro decisions? Like, you know, like you said, you know, I kind of had no choice in some ways. I mean, I made the choice to go to the academy, but they thrust you into... You have to be present in the moment. I, you know, I didn't even catch. I didn't realize this until later. Like when you're in the military, when you're, you know, feel like you're going to throw up doing a bunch of push-ups. When you're looking to the person left and right, you know, trying to carry your pack and make it, you know, there together. You have to be present in the moment, and you have to just decide. Like I'm going to be the kind of person who succeeds, and what does that look like? That what you know? What does that look like for me? It doesn't. It's not like draining energy about overthinking what happened yesterday, right? It's not. Whatever else is going on in your head that might be holding you back, even just saying like, I'm dreading Monday morning. Well, that right there, you know, you're just going to attract more dread to you. I mean, I understand this more now. I just was experiencing it in the past, right? You're going to attract dreadful experiences to you if you show up in a spirit of dread. But if you show up like we're a winning team, we're going to figure this out right? We're going to make sure we have the right people on our team, that they are equipped with the guidance, resources, and the training that they need, that we have a culture of serving and supporting each other. And we're all going to win together like you've created, you know, with your teams, like you're now perpetuating through everybody who you're helping. That, you create the opportunity for magic to happen uh, day in and day out, even when everything's coming off the rails, right? (laughs) Like when everything is falling apart, By the way, you know, in combat, nothing goes as planned, right? Like nothing goes as planned in combat. But if you feel like you're trained and ready, you know you have trusted wingmen, you have an agility mindset, which is you're light on your feet, your situational awareness is high, you're looking around for threats, you're looking around for opportunities, you make decisions in the moment, you look through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. I mean, there's all sorts of tools that we use in order to be able to succeed in the cockpit, on the battlefield, it's the same thing in business and life.
1: I was watching a video yesterday of some of the top 100 CEOs and the way they manage their leadership style. Yeah. And what they studied and what they found is the majority, the largest trait they figured out was when things don't go right, instead of the blame game, yeah, they literally say, okay, what are we gonna do going forward? How do we solve this problem? And I'll tell yeah. you, there are days where I find out that our EMOT score with our uh, workers comp or whatever it is, we found out that uh, pretty devastating news to the business. And I go, yeah. okay, good. And they're like, what do you mean good? And I'm like, well, we found out now we could fix it. And yes. now how do we get to the bottom of this? How do we delegate properly? Yeah. When is the deadline? How do we see yeah. this through? And with great data yeah. Yeah. allows great management because I, I always say there's always holes in a boat. It's figuring out the biggest holes and patching those. And I think that's something is not looking in the rearview mirror all the time. Of course, you need to take some time David. each day yeah. and reflect. And yes. I had a hard time reflecting. COVID actually opened up the door for me to look backwards mm-hmm. a little bit. Because yeah. I'm one of those guys that live 10 years in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So what do you think, being part of these boards, being part of the Senate, being part of what you've done yeah. with combat flights? Yeah. What do you tell somebody that's just constantly, I, I see a lot of people out there, so many people, you don't know the way I was raised. I was abused as a child. I got into a drug problem. Mm-hmm. You don't know. I live in uh, the, the worst part of Alabama. The market's not the same. You don't understand. I hate Biden. It's always something with these people. Yes. They always have an excuse. There's always a reason they can't get ahead. There's always something. I literally, you can't help some of these people. What do you tell these people that always have a reason why they can't get ahead?
0: Well, that is like somebody who's got a growth mindset is, I mean, you have that, obviously you work with a lot of people who are that way. We see every opportunity, every opportunity, whether it's a mistake, whether it's a trauma, whether it's something that wasn't fair, whether it's forces outside of our control, we see it as an opportunity to learn and to grow. And like, that is a decision that can happen. You don't need 20 years of therapy. I mean I'm not saying people shouldn't go get therapy like that can help them on their journey but you can wake up today and you can just decide today I'm going to be the pilot of the plane of my life and the things that are in my control I'm going to control and the things that are out of my control I'm going to accept or you know see if I can influence changing them but I'm not going to be spending all my energy on them and look at every single experience as an opportunity like what can I learn from this how can I grow from this And that includes our traumas. I mean, I shared, I survived sexual abuse by a coach who was looked at as a father figure to me after losing my father. Talk about like getting into a cycle. I then survived sexual assault in the military. There's a lot of men and women out there who have been through similar types of traumas and worse than this. That's still driving them and holding them back today, right? Still somehow it's running in the background. It's creating drag on their life and on their business and their relationships. They get Triggered or activated by how somebody, you know, interacts with them. If you can come to a place where you I look back at those things in my life and I say they happened for me, not to me. I mean, there's a lot of people who use that quote, so I'm not sure who to attribute it to, but these things happened for me, not to me. Had I not lost my dad, had I not been through the abuse by my coach, I don't think I would have had the grit to say, what do you mean I can't fly a fighter jet because I'm a girl? Don't hold me down. Don't hold me back. And that actually could have crushed me, but instead it propelled me on my path. It strengthened me. And I get to, we get to, everyone is listening. You get to reframe your past in order to serve your present and propel you on your future. As horrendous as it may have been, there are generational dynamics we need to be aware of. You can't just poof, all of a sudden something has been going on for six generations. You're like, whatever, <laughs> maybe. But the awareness of it, And the choice to say, like, I'm taking responsibility and see every single thing as an opportunity to grow and learn. Like that is a totally different approach than someone who says it's their fault. Like this is somebody else's, you don't know what happened to me, or you don't know what I'm dealing with here. Maybe other people hurt you. I'm not trying to minimize that. Maybe you were, you know, treated unfairly. What are you gonna do about it? Like, what are you going to do about it today? Are you going to say, You know, for me for a while, I was like, I'm gonna prove them wrong. I mean, that's a an energy that propelled me. You know, what are you gonna do to say, like, I'm, you know what, screw them. I'm gonna live my own life. I'm gonna grow my own business and I'm gonna do it in a way that is helpful for me and my family and those people who I love. And I'm not gonna be held back by excuses. I'm the pilot of my life. Like that's the bottom line, right? And that shift can happen in a moment. It doesn't need to take
1: decades of work. One of the things I always tell people, and I heard this quote years ago. A lot of people say one day and I say, I want you to reframe that instead of saying one day, think about things. Is it one day or is it day one? Yeah. Is it re- Are you ready? Because everybody says one day I'm going to get into shape. One day I'm going to really get, get closer to my parents. And, yeah. and as you know, those days are limited. Limited. Extremely limited, and I'm very fortunate. My dad barely survived COVID, and now he's golfing again. He's in his best shape. He just turned seventy. Wow. And I thank God every day because literally I'd be lost. Yeah. But you know, it's something I'm preparing for because tomorrow's not promised for anybody. Yeah. Right. You know, the best people, the most happy people in the world, you just don't know. I think what Jack Welch said was really remarkable. He was pretty loaded, and he got really, really sick, and he said. On his deathbed. Now, he lived through this, thank God, but he said, I just wish I did more. I wish I spent more. I wish I lived more. I was so obsessed. And I think Steve Jobs probably said, Steve Jobs once said, either you're going to take your food as medicine or you're going to be taking medicine as food. And so, oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's interesting. I wanted to ask you, you wrote a book, Dare to Fly. Yeah. And it really talks about overcoming fear and adversity. Can you talk about one of the key lessons? that really discusses your journey of resilience and perseverance?
0: Yeah, sure. Here it is right here. There it is, lessons I have in, it. Yeah, simple lessons in never giving up. I, I share some stories from life and combat. So I bring you into the cockpit of the ATEM and I also share some of the things that I you know, share with you. It's not, again, the point is it's not an autobiography. The point is I've been on the journey of healing from trauma, of being freed from stuff that held me back, of doing like really hard things, Setting goals and achieving. I ran the, I decided, you know, I wanted to run the Ironman Triathlon. I watched it on TV one day and I'm like, I'm going to run the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon. And, you know, Tommy, just like you said, these micro decisions. I didn't just enter and go, you know, run the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon. What did I do? I got up and put my shoes on, you know, went for a run at times where maybe my friends didn't want to get out of bed because they were up too late the night before, right? I had to make decisions consistently make decisions to get myself to a place where, oh, I guess maybe I should run a marathon. Maybe I should run a marathon first. Maybe I should run a small triathlon first, right? And keep the dream, picturing myself, I'm crossing the finish line of the Ironman triathlon, right? It's the same thing of like, I'm going to be a fighter pilot. I said that when it was against the law. People laughed. I was like, no, I just decided that's what I was going to do. And then I had to just Make sure that I was making good decisions along the way every day in the mundane when nobody was watching, nobody's looking. You know, when I'm out like running in the rain or the sleet or the snow or whatever because I wanted to run the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon. So you know, I share this example of yes, it was you know then in 1993 I crossed the finish line of the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon. I met my dream. I met my goal. Oftentimes, very driven people like us, Tommy, you then go, okay, what's next? right? You you meet this really important goal. And then you're like, all right, I got to find something else in order to scratch that itch. But so I had to kind of learn how to grow into being a piece of myself and not always chasing something else. But at the time, that really served me to be able to center in my discipline, center in my excellence. It also helped me you know find whatever it is that works for you. It also helped me like I never really meditated much in my life. you know, I'm not a good meditator. I don't know about you. but I found that like going out on a long run or you know swimming up and down a pool, I actually was able to get my brain into like a you know, if that makes make like a meditative state where it's like clear the clutter, stop overthinking stuff, and just like settle into you know the reality of like, I don't know, just you know settling yourself down and just being able to kind of clear that. so, all that to say, you know, what's one of the big lessons? I have a lot, lot of lessons in there. A lot, I mean, there's a, there a bunch of them to share, but I'll share one in particular. So it was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro with a group of people and I do a lot of other outdoor stuff that's, uh, you know, that's hard and fun and challenging. I just think it's really good for your soul. And one of the people who was with us, uh, it was eight guys, all right, seven guys and me, which is kind of the story of my life. But one of, one of the guys brought his son who was this, he was young, he was like 12 climbing Kilimanjaro that's very rare but he was an elite athlete he was like an elite runner gazelle and but he was struggling we got up above 12,000 feet and he was just miserable he had a headache he was nauseous like he just was like man I want to stop he was crying he wasn't listening to his dad if anybody can relate to this right and so and I'm not saying like I turned this around for him but as I was talking to him I was like hey Chris like Here's the deal. We're all in our 40s and 50s, and we've been through like a lot of really awful things in our lives, you know, like really difficult personal challenges or health issues or, you know, grief or in my survival training, you know, basic training. You know, there's a lot lot of difficult stuff, the Ironman. And I feel miserable right now too. Like we just all feel miserable. But what we're doing is we're tapping into what I call it our misery database, right? We're tapping into our misery, misery database. And we're saying like, All right, I made it through that, so I can make it through this, right? And we're allowing the difficult, arduous things that we went through in the past actually serve us now because they help propel us and just put one foot in front of the other and know, like, hey, we're gonna make it to the top, and this is nowhere near as painful as something else that I've been through. And so the problem with you, Chris, is your misery database is empty. You know, you're a smart kid, you're an athletic kid, and you don't have anything to to reach back on right now. But you're building your misery database with this experience. And if you can somehow get yourself to dig deep and to put one foot in front of the other, because that's all it takes, is one breath at a time, one step at a time, and find yourself on top of Mount Kilimanjaro for the rest of your life, you're going to be able to say, when you're looking to the left and the right, like, hey, I climbed Kilimanjaro when I was 12. I can do this. And it's going to be able to equip you and strengthen you. And that kid made it to the top of the mountain, Tommy. It was not easy, made it down. And about four years later, his parents sent me a, a video of him running in the state championship track meet. I think it was in Illinois. And I'm watching these kids all kind of in the front pack. And then all of a sudden, this one kid goes off the front. And I'm just, I mean, I'm sitting there just like crying. I'm like, oh, my God, he's tapping his misery database. And he just freaking crushed it. He won the thing. But none of, you know, none of the kids that was left and his right had climbed Kilimanjaro at 12. And not that that helped him physically. It helped him mentally. And for the rest of his life, he's now building more and more into his database. So again, I just want to encourage everybody out there, if you've been through difficult things because of life circumstances or what somebody else did to you, or maybe mistakes you've made, maybe things you're beating yourself up about, you know, something you regret you did or something you wish you could take back, if you tap into that misery database for right now, all we have is here, all we have is now, right? And you're in charge of your life. So if you can tap into that in order to actually equip you and have that become a superpower instead of something that holds you back, that is something I, you know, I share in the book and I really want to encourage everybody in their own lives.
1: When you were telling that story, it reminded me of a study that was done, this is years ago, and I don't know the exact stats, but they took rats and they put them in a big tub of water and the rats drowned after 12 minutes. But what would happen is they learn from each other and they pull a rat out. And when the other rats saw oh, that, they began to think they could get saved. So what happened is, is they saved. realized there could be a way out. They keep swimming. They went from 12 minutes to 38 hours. And it was the point severe. of
0: the, Yeah.
1: Because it is mentally. And there's a good book, Three Feet from Gold. There's another good book called Acres of Diamonds. And I think so many people, if they would just persevere, they would just get through. They're so close to the end zone and they right. spike the ball and they give up. And a lot of people have a side hustle, and they don't give back. Before we continue the interview, I wanted to let you know about something crazy we're putting together for the Freedom event. We're calling it the Freedom $81,000 giveaway. And this is real. During the event, you'll have an opportunity to enter an amazing promotional drawing and win one of the following five amazing prizes. Prize one, we're gonna do a full rebranding package with Dan Antonelli's agency, kick charge. Over a $20,000 value. Price two, we're going to give away Al Levy's operational manual systems. That's over $9,000 that you would pay. Prize three, we're going to do a one-day sales trading with the famous Joe Crisara. That's $12,000 of value. Prize four is a two-hour consulting call with my right-hand guy, one of the smartest people I know, Jim Leslie. That's over 10 grand. And prize five, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to fly out and spend a half day in your office, meeting you, looking at your operations and showing you the path to elevate your business. That's a $30,000 value. So listen, this is going to be the event of the year, the Freedom Event. And if you're still planning to go to the Freedom Event, but haven't got your tickets yet, you can go to tommymello.com forward slash freedom and get your ticket. Now let's get back to the interview. The biggest mistake I see, Martha, with most business owners, they're a technician mindset. They're very good at doing their trade, but they never learn how to run a business. And they're not putting themselves out there. They're not learning. They're not growing. They're the smartest person in the room all the time. And they say, Mm -hmm. I can't hire a personal assistant. They can't get track of their time. And what ends up happening to them is they literally, they never look in the mirror and say, it's my fault. And they get this lifestyle business. They're living in a beautiful house or driving the new Mercedes their wife's got a brand new car. Their husband's got a brand new car. They got the rental house, but maybe just a cabin they use without rental. And then they can't afford to buy the nice things, so they didn't reinvest in themselves. They think they mm. deserve They deserve this. They took all the chances. Instead of reinvesting in the one thing that brought them here, the one thing by Gary Keller or essentialism, all these yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, what What do you say to these people? Like, like They're so smart, and they're very good at what they yeah. do, and they've learned a lot of hard lessons, but they seem stumped. They're like, I, I just... Now that inflation is through the roof and COVID demand, when everybody was stuck at their home and they were upgrading everything, they're like, what do I do now?
0: There's still opportunity, as you know. Like this is the, actually when things are tough is the opportunity for you to be the one that is 10Xing, that you're the one who is focusing on those essentials and leveraging them. But it takes, it starts with what's going on in here first, right? I'm not the smartest person in the room. My zone of genius, I mean, Dan Sullivan uses unique abilities, zone of genius is, you know, Gay Hendricks. My zone of genius is this. So I needed some wingmen who are going to help me move forward so that we can grow together. And by the way, you're not, you're impacting your employee's life. You're impacting your client's life, as you know. I mean, that's all that what you've done in your business. And that's what you're doing to help other people. But it all starts here saying, you know what? I can't do it all myself. There's not enough time in the day, I and mean, you might be running your health into the ground. Maybe, yeah, maybe you've got a big house, a nice car, whatever, but you are stuck. And it's usually ego. I've just found, and it's usually fear, right? Fear of you know losing control, fear of you know whatever, letting go, fear of for you bigger success. Sometimes fear of failure, whatever it is, underlying it, it's usually some sort of fear, or it can be disguised as pride uh, or disguised as ego. And you've got to change your mind to get to a place of like, I need to keep growing. I need to keep reading. I need to learn from others so I don't have to learn all these mistakes by myself. So find people who have figured this out, like Tommy, and join and figure out those lessons so that you can hack your way in a positive way, right? So you can do in six months what took others to do 10 years to learn these lessons. Bring people around you and let them thrive, even if What they're doing initially is just not as good as I would have done it. You have to give them the direction. You've got to give them some guidance. You've got to give them some oversight. Uh, And then you will all elevate and soar together. I'll give you an example. So when I was a U.S. senator, okay, I literally had my life sometimes scheduled in five-minute increments, okay? Now, I could have spent all of my time doing managing that myself, taking the thousands of requests from people in here and how is it all going to work and what's the best use of my time? Now, would that have been the best use of my time? No, I had to give strategic guidance to my team. You know, Mm -hmm. look, we can't, you know, possibly we'll we'll do the best we can to meet with everybody. This is the strategic guidance. This is how we should be spending our time. And then I let them run my schedule. I mean, I, I just showed up and could be fully present to engage with my constituents, to engage at the hearings, to engage at whatever I was asked to do, so I could be the senator, right? So you're the business owner, you're no longer the technician in your business if you wanna grow. You can coach and train those who are coming behind you, but you've gotta now become the flight leader, the squadron commander, whatever it is, and then equip those around you so that you can all have a bigger impact together in your lives and everybody else's lives. If you want to stay limited and you want to stay stuck and you want to stay unsatisfied, that's your choice. Just look yourself in the mirror and say, this is what I'm choosing to do. If you don't, then you have to put some of your pride aside, put some of your ego aside, put some of your fear aside and let other people in. You got to give them guidance and oversight. Some people think, oh, I can't delegate. Delegate isn't fire and forget, okay? Delegate isn't like you know, I told someone to do it as I was walking by them. And then they didn't, they weren't in my head. They didn't hear everything I meant and all the context and my decades of experience and see, they didn't do it right. That's not delegating. That's crappy leadership. I almost swore that's crappy leadership on your part. That's not how you delegate. So it's coaching and it's mentoring and it's, It's ensuring like you read back the orders. What do you think I just told you to do? Say it back to me. I mean, there's all these things that we use in the military to make sure we understand because lives are at stake, what you're delegating, what their roles are, what they're allowed to do, what their accountability is, what the feedback loop is, what the debrief loop is. And then we go get the mission done together.
1: We've worked really hard to come up with eight steps of delegation. We had a mentor come in and really help us. And here's how it goes. Here's what needs to get done is number one, and it's yeah. written down. Yeah. Here's why it needs to get done, the why it behind is. it, where yeah. we're going with it. Here's what you have as resources available to get it done. Here's the priority assigned to it. Here's when it needs to get done by. There's a deadline, and yeah. it's not a group that's accountable, it's a person. Here's the meeting schedule to check in on progress. Perfect. So there's yeah. incremental, because a lot of us procrastinate, We we get the paper done the day before it's due. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the consequences and also the the benefits of getting it done. So you, there is yeah. something you're in the game for you. But also yeah. if you don't get it done by the state, here's the repercussions. And then there's the eighth step, which is did the task get done? And what opportunity do we have for feedback? And then they got to sign it. They got to sign, you know, they sign the bottom and they take this with them because nice. I think when you put your John Hancock and you sign something that's official, it, it makes yeah. it real and it's written down and you, you got to repeat back to us what it needs to get done. And so many people, I don't call it delegating, I call it dumping. Yes. And you know, we had a problem internally with six projects not hitting the dates that we needed them by. And I said, who's accountable? Did you fill out the steps of delegation? Did you use these? Because yeah. they're here for a reason. And it keeps going back, it's, it's so vanilla. These things that work every time, it's just when we get off course and we don't yeah. build a system, and a standard yeah. operating procedure around it. And I think the military, I wasn't part of the military, but I think they do a great job of setting systems up for success.
0: Yeah. They, yeah, we do. We're you know As an organization, we can sometimes become bureaucratic, but as a fighting unit, we do, we have to, we have no choice but to set up systems of success. That's a beautiful example of delegation. And usually, Tommy, as you said, dumping, usually it's on the leader. It's not on the follower on how they delegate it. Right? So they say, all right, again, I'm walking by somebody. I'm distracted. We have no idea what they're in the middle of doing. You just bark something at them. It, there's no context. There's no prioritization. There's no understanding. And then, you know, then, oh, look, they didn't do it the way I wanted to. See, now I can't delegate. Like, okay, if that's the way you want to operate as a leader, go ahead. But that, that those eight steps are a great systematic process to make sure the leader provides that kind of, you know, oversight, direction, clarity, context, resources. And then the follower gets the bigger picture instead of just, you know, some random uh, order that's, ta- you know, tasked to them. Other things we do in the military that I think are re- extremely important, and I haven't brought in. Here's, book, here's my A-10. Here's a, oh, there it on. is. There's a plane I flew, single seat, okay? First flight that I flew was solo. No two-seaters, no simulators when I went through training. There's all the bombs and missiles and stuff it carries... Uh, This looks unremarkable here, but it was built around this gun, 30 millimeter gun, which is like the size of a car. And you fly on top of the gun. So when you shoot the gun, it shakes the whole plane. And here is one of the bullets. It's so here's a one liter smart water bottle. So you can kind of see the, you know. (laughs) So this is one of the bullets that comes out of the plane. So anyway, when we learn how to fly, we never fly solo. Uh, and when we're, you know, we're we're trained into combat missions, uh, you always fly with a wingman who's there to support and provide mutual support to each other through trusted relationships, okay? Everybody understands their role. So you're a brand new pilot, brand new in the A-10. Your job is to be a wingman. And then somebody who's more experienced is the flight lead who's responsible for higher level responsibility for the coordination of all the flight and talking to the guys on the ground. I mean, our job is close air support. So we show up when troops are on the ground under fire, often like in really complex circumstances on the move where hurting the friendlies actually comes at extremely high risk. And so some of the systems that we use are important and they work and they're important for life. So one thing we do is obviously we, we prepare for the mission, right? We don't just wing it. Uh, we have a detailed, uh, way that we consider, even if we don't know exactly what we're going to be called to that day, what's going on with the weather, what's going on with the big picture of the operations. Like how are we going to operate with each other and our communication? And what about contingencies? What if this happens? What if that happens? And we brief all that up. We plan for it. That helps us have an agility mindset and confidence as we step to the jets But as, you know, the old Mike Tyson wisdom, everybody has a plan until they're punched in the face, right? So no plan survives first contact with the enemy. So we take off, though, and we feel like we're prepared because we've, you know, we've had the training, we've had the briefing, and now we're light on our feet, you know, adjusting to the circumstances on the ground. We go out, we conduct the mission, we come back. This goes back to the whole reflecting on the day or reflecting on the past. Then what we do is we debrief the mission, uh, with like brutal honesty. This is part of being a good wingman, right? You don't just go home and complain to your spouse or your dog about how somebody behaved in the office that day. You sit down with each other. You have the hard conversations about how did that go. And we debrief, look, we watch our our tapes from our heads up display. You were at a position. You were two degrees off in your dive in that gun pass. What were you thinking? What was happening? How do we do this better tomorrow? It's not a berating session. It is... All progress starts by telling the truth, right? It is looking at what happened, knowing that we make mistakes every single day, holding each other accountable, and then going, all right, how is this going to make us better tomorrow? And we go back tomorrow, we go out for a new mission, new jet, we're not ruminating over what we did yesterday or regretting it or beating each other up, we're equipping ourselves for the future. So even those types of systems of honest feedback, honest debriefing, being sure that we are equipping people for what they need to do ensuring they have the guidance, the resources, and the training for everything we ask them to do, uh, and then holding them accountable and under getting an understanding of when things did not go right. Why did they not go right? Right. You could either just bark and yell at somebody or you can try to under seek to understand what was going on inside your brain, what was going, what's going on in your life, you know, that, you know, what what's happening? Are you distracted by something that's happening at home or whatever? And and building those trusted relationships and giving people the opportunity to learn from them and grow. And if they're not the right fit to be there, giving them the opportunity to thrive in a different environment, that serves them better than keeping them around and kicking the can like a lot of people do, moving them over to another department. You know, this is, you know, more non-flying positions instead of freeing them up to learn their lessons and find a path for themselves to actually thrive. I know there's a lot in that.
1: There is, there is. It's a great lesson. And I really appreciate the debrief and being prepared because we talk about we train and then we retrain and then we train again and it's we live in this cycle at A1 Garage yeah. for Service of training. It's it's like part of day to day. There's a morning mojo yeah. call. There's Thursday hour and a half. There's retraining. Yeah. There's ride alongs. There's coming back to Phoenix and it's a constant. It, you got to be comfortable with training and people don't like mm-hmm. it. They're like, put me in the game. Well, yeah. I played sports and I did ten practices two a days to every play one game. game exactly. And I don't think people understand. They, they want to just throw people in the game forever. They don't even have right. meetings. They don't even tell people how they're doing. And they say, listen, I let these guys ride solo. They're good. Right. And it's no way to run a business.
0: Absolutely not. And I mean, to continue the flying analogy, we may train for years on end before we're called to deploy, but we train like we fight. We go out there on the range and we're as if there's guys on the ground that are under fire whose families and lives are in our hands and we have got to make sure that they get you home. Know, you train, you, you get yourself in a place where you're practicing, practicing, practicing so that when the stakes are high, you're able to operate. But even while we're training, like, you know, when I'm a squadron commander and I'm a fighter pilot, you're not just getting in the plane and flying 12 hours a day. You're doing all the other stuff to get ready for the mission, to ensure the squadron's running on time, to make sure all the operations are good. And then you are maybe flying a couple times a week for like two hours at a time. But it's all the other training, it's all the systems, it's all the operations that allow you to succeed when it's game time, just like the sports analogy. But yeah, a lot of people, oh, just put me in the cockpit. All I want to do is go fly. No, in order for you to succeed, you have to go through the training and you get to then a place where it's you're so comfortable that it becomes more subconscious how you're operating in the moment. And then you've got better pattern recognition when the stakes really matter for you to be able to be, oh, I've seen this before because I've been through the training, I've been through the training and now I can deal with this situation as it comes my way. But if all you want to do is, yeah, I just want to get in, And I don't want to do any of that training. I'll figure it out. But then that's going to hurt the business. It's going to, you know, hurt the customers. And you're not going to show up as the best version of yourself because you're not ready.
1: I'm going to pivot a little bit here because I was on Bradley's podcast a few months ago. And he he came out with a video recently and he said, listen, the goal was always to get to a million bucks a year. And then it was a million bucks a month. And then it's a million dollars a day. And a lot of us think these goals, once we hit them, that'll bring us happiness. That this will, But they're not happy in the now. They're not happy in the process. And what I've yeah. done personally is I look at what my day's like, and I look at the things that I begrudge, and I look at the things that I don't like, and I just hire for that position of somebody that's going to do a better job than me, literally much better because they enjoy yeah. it. They're passionate yeah. about it. And so I've built a life of things that I actually love doing and I don't love doing cold plunges, but I've gotten comfortable. I don't love going to the gym like some people do for an hour and a half, but I do it. And I've learned to make it as comfortable as possible. And a lot of people say this, and I say this a lot on the podcast, is I love my life. I really am fortunate. And it's not about the money or the health of the time. It's about a combination of a lot of that and just doing what I want, when I want, with who I want, complete freedom. That's why I named it Home Service Freedom is everybody has their own definition of freedom, but it really is about yeah. taking people with you and living your best yeah. life. And I guess, when is enough enough for people? Because I've got a growth mindset that even when I hit a goal, it's celebrated and it's time for the next chapter, turn the page.
0: Yeah, tell me how long, like, did you always feel this way? Or did you always have, when When do you think you turned the corner to be like, okay, chasing the dream or the number or whatever is not the root of my well being? It's- Well, I grew it's... up
1: in a very, uh, I will say- <laughs> I wasn't poor, but by no means it was a, a 1300 square foot house. And, yeah. you know, I had to help my mom pay bills when I was, you know, young yeah. because she worked three jobs. And I just said, the money needs to become, I needed to reach the point where I could help everybody. Yeah. out. And that's when I kind of, when the money started giving me dividends and I realized that I don't have to be the guy making the money, I could actually build a team. And when I got that freedom, it changed everything because then I wasn't stressed out for the people around me and and it changed everything for me because now, now it's like, now I can live now that burns off my shoulder. When you got that chip on your shoulder, you got to get that off for you to grow. So that's really when I found my freedom. And now it's like, I'm living it day to day. I'm not waiting for it. You know how people say, when this yes. happens, when this happens, when the kids move out and they finally yes. become eighteen, will have our freedom when this happens, when this they all have this yeah. time of right. when it's going to happen.
0: Right. But the reality is it's now. Right. So, I mean, we think about like you need resources and abundance to do a lot of things in life. Right. Like money's fuel. I can't go fly a combat mission if I don't have fuel in the engines. I could have all the armament out there. So you need those resources but when you think about like what we're chasing, right? We're like more and more and more and more. Like, yeah, I'm going to be happy when I retire. I'm going to go on adventure later on. Why exactly are you even seeking that is the important question to ask. Well, I, because I feel like I'm then going to be happy. I'm then going to, going to be at peace. These external circumstances are going to give that to myself. If you could figure out how to be peaceful and happy now, even if you're in a time of a struggle in your life, in your family, in your business, that every single day you can get up and look for things to be grateful for. And even if it's not exactly the way you want it to be, carve out, take responsibility for your time, for your engagement, for your presence and your connection with people. Do the things that you're thinking about doing later, do them now. I just recently went on a spontaneous adventure road trip up to the Pacific Northwest. I wanted to always do that, but I was waiting for like my friend. It never worked out the timing. Like, and I finally was like, I'm just freaking going, you know, I'm just, I packed the car and I'm going, I'm not going to wait for another time. I'm not going to wait for the perfect circumstances or the perfect adventure. People schedule the lineup. I'm just going. And it was this beautiful, amazing experience, but I just had to decide it's today. It's not tomorrow. I may not have tomorrow. I'm just going to go now. And so for everybody, you can have that in your life, even if you feel like there's chaos around you by kind of taking control and having great gratitude for what's going on inside while seeking to do what you're doing, Tony, where you're like, all right, I don't want to do things that I don't feel like doing anymore. I'm going to let other people operate in their zone of genius. Well, I can stay in a place where I'm doing the things that, that are expansive for me, right? They feel like, oh, I'm thriving in my gifts and I have the freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Let everybody else do the stuff that you don't want to do or you suck at or that drains you. You've got that freedom right now. Everybody can achieve that.
1: One of the things that this event we're putting on is I highly recommend that everybody bring their significant other. A a lot of times in home service, at least in the historical pattern, I want more women to get into the trades. Absolutely but typically it's been male Mormon, technicians yeah. that become male yeah. owners. There's a lot of great women that I know own companies and I want them all at this event. Yeah. But it's hard to be sitting there when it feels like the guy's always like, he's married to the business. It's nights, it's weekends. It's, they don't get enough time with their kids. Yeah. And I think having you at this event to talk through what a strong woman looks like and to take mm-hmm. control and, mm-hmm. and to take the time and be there. It's both people's businesses, trust me. Behind every great man, there's a great woman. Behind every great woman, there's a great man. And it's mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. never 50-50. But I think there's a lot to be said yeah. about somebody that's yes. motivating you and pushing you up and helping out in the business. And I think everybody yeah. should bring their significant other to this because I Martha's going to bring down the auditorium.
0: <laughs> I agree. No, I totally agree. And for everyone who's listening who... You are, you know, you're grinding, you're building your business and like you can always come up with another reason why it needs to be all always at nights, always on weekends. You have got to take some time for the things that are first responsibilities and priorities. That's yourself, that's your marriage, that's your kids, right? Look, I get my dad, he wasn't in home services, but he was driven, driven to make a better life for us kids. That was like, it was his get out of bed every day, figure out how to have us not have experiences like he had, where, you know, there was scarcity and there were challenges, there was struggle and all that. And I'm grateful for that. But he died at 49, Tommy. Like, I would have rather he was here now. I would have rather that he would have been here for all these important milestones in my life than be so focused. And I'm not saying, he, you know, I mean, kind of worked himself to death, right? I mean, I love my dad. I'm saying that out of honor, but you know what I'm saying? Like, think about your own balance with what you're doing and what you're building and how you're doing it and your other core responsibilities. And you can do them all. You can do them all. But you've got to figure out smarter work, how to work smarter, not harder, which is all the stuff that Tommy coaches, in order to build great teams so that you can be there for your spouse, you can be there for your kids, and yeah, definitely bring your spouse. And for those women who are in the, in the industry, I mean, I was in a fighter squad. I was usually the only girl, and I was in Congress. It was pretty similar, so I'm pretty I'm pretty you know familiar with operating in those types of environments. Uh, and you women are amazing badasses, and I'm super excited to meet y'all.
1: I got some quick questions to close us out if you got a few minutes. Okay, so we talked about a lot of stuff here. What are some of the things the listeners can expect from you on stage at the the Freedom Event?
0: Well, I'm going to bring you into the cockpit of the A-10. You're going to feel like you're flying in a Top Gun mission in combat and what it's actually like, you know, for those, hopefully everybody's maybe heard of or seen Top Gun, right? Feel what it's actually like to be in those circumstances. And So I'm gonna tell you some really cool stories, but then I'm gonna take these lessons that I learned in the cockpit and you may not ever fly a fighter jet. That's not the point. Uh, The point is that you're gonna be moved for what's going on in your own life my hope and my prayer would be that like, whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever you're challenged with, you're gonna be inspired. You're gonna have actionable takeaways. You're gonna have specific ways, and this is not, you have a bunch of amazing speakers, right? Specific ways for you to 10X your life, your business. So it's not, it's not 10 years from now, right? What's happening in the next 10 days after you leave this event? there's going to be transformations that are happening in your life. If you show up, you're open, you're ready to grow, you're ready to learn. And I'm just going to be so excited to be there as a wingman to be able to help inspire and equip you for your journey so that you can soar through any turbulence. You can build trusted teams with trusted wingmen. You can conquer any challenge that comes your way. You can overcome the crap you've been through in your life and you can live an amazing life and have an amazing team and business that's filled with abundance and filled with freedom and more opportunity, the best is yet to come.
1: I love it. So to close this out, you got to order Martha McSally's book, Dare to Fly. I'd recommend reading that before (laughs) November 1st, 2nd and 3rd in Orlando. If someone wants to reach out to you, between here and there, Martha, what's the best way to do that?
0: Yeah, my website's McSally.com. I'm on all uh, the social media at Martha McSally. Um Booking at com is my uh, business email. And like I said, Tommy, I'm keynote speaking right now, but what I'm really excited, I'm, I'm also gonna be launching a uh, live masterclass an online course geared towards women, helping women find courage and confidence. And I'm super excited about this. So I'm going to be building some other ways to be able to help people and be a wingman for others uh, so that fear and other things don't hold them back. Um, but they can see all that on my social media or on my webpage.
1: And in your life, is there any books like obviously The E-Myth, The Ultimate Sales Machine, Richest Man of Babylon, Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie... We get a lot of the books, the Bible, uh, but is there any books that are outside of the norm that really like moved your soul and pushed you forward?
0: Uh, You know, I'm a voracious reader, especially in this season of my life. And I would say, I feel like I'm now even having a deeper understanding of some of the things that actually helped me to thrive through difficulties in life. So one I recently read is called The Untethered Soul and just deeply moving. Um these are all a little spiritual in nature but they're very practical and The Power of Now is another one. So these are these are not practical sales books. These are not these are helpful for us as human beings all of us to figure out how to be unstuck from the past and not fearful of the future in very practical ways for us to be able to live for how what we're intended to be on this planet. So I mean, I've got a whole bunch of other ones. I mean, I'm a big when it comes to like Productivity and it comes to like decision making. Essentialism is a great one. Atomic Habits is a good one. Tiny Habits is a good one. There's so many good books out there, but I would encourage people if you're feeling a little restless and this isn't just about finding good business strategies, you're feeling restless in your life, you know, trying to understand like, you know, who you are, why you're here, like how you operate, you know, what goes on inside you on a daily basis untethered soul is a really good one and um power now as well
1: and finally we talked about a lot of things kind of overcoming fear yeah living in today making the changes you need to live your best life but i just i'll leave it up to you to close this out maybe we didn't talk about something maybe you want a final message for people to resonate on so i'll give the floor to you to kind of close this out
0: yeah thanks tommy Well, first, I want to encourage everybody, come to the event, okay? Bring your spouse to the event. If you're looking for opportunities to transform your life, if you feel like you're tired, you're worn out, maybe you're looking at like, oh, I don't know if I can afford it. This is an investment. So it's freedomevent.com, right? Yep. Freedomevent.com. And this will be an investment in your life, your family, and your future if you come to this. So I just want to encourage you to do that. And I just want to speak to you of where you are today. If somebody's just really struggling, they're burnt out, they're tired, they're you know they got challenges going on in their life, and their business, and their family, and their relationships. You know, maybe they've been through difficult things in the past that's holding them back, or made their own decisions. You know, if I'm talking to you, like maybe you've made some bad decisions in the past, and you just feel like I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, and you know I I don't deserve this kind of abundance and freedom. I just want to encourage you that that is all a lie. Uh, that every single one of you deserve freedom, deserve abundance, just like you see Tommy is living, just like he's teaching to others. So, be fly on his wing. Come to this event, and those of us who are there, there are many other people that are coming to speak. We're gonna help you as your wingman. Just help you to just look inside. You gotta do the work, right? We're gonna help you look inside. We're gonna help you. Think about where things can transform quickly, very quickly, you know, for you and your life. There are brighter days ahead. I promise you, it starts with you having the courage to say, this isn't enough. I'm made for more. I want more in my life. I've worked so hard to get where I am right now. I feel like I'm being held back by a lot or there's something that's like limiting and stopping me. Now's the time to break through. Now's the time to go through the sound barrier and you are, you have an amazing future in front of you. So when we break the sound barrier, you fly, it's a, like an invisible barrier. It's literally a barrier, right? So you're like, you're speeding up, you're speeding up, you're speeding up, you're speeding up. And then you feel like you can't even see it. You're just like, it's a it's literally a wall there. And you feel like you're stuck. But the reality is, if you just keep pushing the power up, right? You're actually, you're going to break through. You're going to break through. So you all are on the verge of these life transforming breakthroughs. And I'll see you in Florida November 1st through
1: 3rd. Martha, you killed it. You're amazing. I want to spend as much time as possible with you. I think you're just somebody that everybody could look up to as a mentor. Just the things you've, the adversity you broke through in your life is absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. And um, I'm sure we're going to get to know each other more. I think my superpower is networking. Uh, Joe Polish is like the king of it, but that's how we met. And um, your network is your net worth. I'm hanging around the right people. And they're really the right people tell you the truth. They don't tell you everything's great. They be honest with you. And, and exactly. that's what we're going to do here at this event. But exactly. thank you so much for taking the time today. And thank this was amazing.
0: Thank you, Tommy. Excited. Thank you so much.
1: All right, Martha. Have a great week.
0: All right, you too. Take care.
1: Hey there, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. Before I let you go, I want to let everybody know that Elevate is out and ready to buy. I can share with you how I attracted a winning team of over 700 employees in over 20 states. The insights in this book are powerful and can be applied to any business or organization. It's a real game changer for anyone looking to build and develop a high-performing team like over here at A1 Garage Door Service. So if you want to learn the secrets to help me transfer my team from stealing the toilet paper to a group of 700-plus employees rowing in the same direction, head over to elevateandwindcom forward slash podcast and grab a copy of the book. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch up with you next time on the podcast.